And here we are once again for another AEW Collision Review here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Welcome, I am Mr. Warren Hayes, and uh, I hope you are all having a lovely weekend. Hopefully it's better than mine. I'm under the weather once again, feeling better, but once again under the weather. If you've been following the lore of Warren Hayes recently, you know that this has been happening quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, um, but uh, you know, this was kind of like a 24-hour thing. <sighs> I'm chalking it up to the end of year stress with work, uh, the you know the holidays coming around. You know, I, I you know I put together the holiday stuff, and you know, and, you know, there's a certain amount of, of of pressure that comes with that, and you know, just and, and you know, it's the time of year where everyone gets sick and there's germs flying around. And I went to you know to a, to an event an arena this week, and yeah. Could be a bunch of things, but I'm gonna tell you, my I, I feel like my immune system is rebuilding itself right now. It's like, oh right, I, you know, forgot that you could get sick. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but this is where we're at now. Um, I'm feeling better. I'm probably gonna keep this fairly short. Well, I mean, you look. Usually the collision reviews are, are they're not super long, typically speaking. But, you know, we do talk a little more. They have been longer recently because of the uh, Continental Classic where we dive into. But we'll see what happens. I, I'm sitting here going, oh, I'll try and keep this short. But you know me. I don't. Um, but uh, but that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to try and, and we're, we're, we're I'm going to give you my collision thoughts. Damn it. Because it was a terrific edition of Collision that uh, was broadcast on uh, December 9, 2023. Taped. On December 5th, 2023, in at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Um, the attendance, of course, has been newsworthy. To, uh, WrestleTix reports 2,852 tickets distributed for the show. That's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Um, and again, you know... Uh, it, 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 it's a it, it's a serious problem that in its domestic markets. Well, I, look, I know Canada isn't the the domestic market, but we're following trends here. Uh, this isn't like typically so crazily unusual. Yeah, collision last week from Erie was the the attendance was dire there as well. Here's the point that I'm trying to make is that we're you know th there are reasons why this was not good in Montreal, right? There there were reasons, right? And I think you can chalk up immediately to collision not being broadcast in Canada as being a thing. You know, we talk about um, we talk about uh, uh, dynamite being on TSN, right? Ends up being broadcast on one of the secondary TSN channels, not like on TSN one, it's like on TSN two, um, and uh, so you know that's one thing. But collision is not even broadcast on TSN. You have to, you, you can stream it through their fucking uh, streaming service, which is no longer, just a few months ago, right? Just at like this, the, at the start of fall or whatever, at the end of summer, who cares? Uh, TSN decided to flip this around. It was like, you know, the subscription, the streaming service is no longer included like in your cable package. You have to pay extra for that. So you're like, okay. So, the, you know, the collision name doesn't have any value in Canada. Not just in Montreal, in Canada, period. So, you know, that's always very, it's very, it's always very gutsy for AEW to come in and, uh, and, and, and tell us, hey, we're going to, uh, we're going to do a collision here in Canada where most people are like, oh, 
Like it, it doesn't have the same value. Dynamite did better on the Wednesday. Uh, we were just over 5,000 people, if I'm not mistaken. I don't quite remember. You can listen to the review. I talked about all of that. But listen, this is still not good. And li- okay. Not good. For, and, and I would argue either night. Not good coming in two nights in a row in a first time in a brand new market that is traditionally, historically, a great wrestling town. If they were going into, I don't know, uh, you know, entering a new market that didn't have any relationship with pro wrestling, then you'd be like, oh, this seems this seems reasonable. But it, it's not great. And Collision specifically, it's not good. And to me, it's a, it's a testament to the product still not being hot. And yes, you know, people will turn around and say, but Warren, they're doing 67% revenue growth. They, that's what they're observing for 2023. So the company's profitable. And I'm not... I'm not doom and glooming here. And I am not saying, because instantly this is what I'm responded with, right? Every time as if I'm saying the company is sinking, but this is not good. It is not good that your live show is not dragging more people into it. It's not a hot product. It's not perceived as as something you must see. And even myself in my, in, in how I approached purchasing my tickets for Dynamite, I purchased my tickets for Dynamite uh, on the Tuesday. Last week, I checked on Ticketmaster, I think on Friday, and Lower Bowl tickets were still like at $110. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. And I waited till on Tuesday, I crack open Ticketmaster, there were 30 bucks, $20 plus uh, fees, basically. See, I myself was like, no, I'm going to wait. No one is throwing themselves at to, 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 to get tickets for these for these show tapings. It's fine. So, went on a bit of a sidebar here. Coming back to the 67% revenue growth. I think it's fair to assume that landing the biggest live gate in professional wrestling history contributed to getting... growth in your revenue. I think that's a fair assessment, especially since your your year-to-year attendance numbers have been down. To a degree, I would say, hey, thankfully, you had Wembley to, to, to prop up the entire rest of the year where you were doing dismal numbers. Or not great numbers. Let's not say dismal. Some of them were dismal. But overall, not great numbers. It wasn't a great year for AEW attendance this year. So, you know, and, and people will still point to me and say, but Warren, you know, they're doing so great for Wembley in 2024, which they are. Oh, don't get me wrong. They're over, what, like 30,000 tickets sold and, you know, nine months away. You'll, you'll have time to give birth to a child before we get to this show. And not, again, not a single match has been announced and so on and so forth. So if this becomes a tentpole for them, where they, where 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 they can just fill out Wembley and and keep raising the ticket prices because they've done that this year as well. Well, it will continue to continue to be a tremendous influx of monies. But consumer metrics year over year are not doing well. And if you're 
So you, if you consider, the, okay, I'm not going to say, how about we do this, do it this way? Let's see. Let's see what kind of revenue growth they will have in 2024 as opposed to 2023, right? Because they're doing Wembley again. So if they get another 67% spike, we're like, oh, okay, well, clearly things are on the up and up, right? But if the revenue growth is a little more, is, is not as dramatic, not as big, maybe then it's an indication that uh, Wembley, you know, Wembley did account for the big 67% increase, right? Does that make sense? Because look, pay-per-views are doing well, you know, they're they're doing fine. It's not, uh, they're not tearing the house down there either. They're not doing, uh, they're, they're not doing uh, uh, 2022 numbers, right? But that's fine. They're doing well. Uh, and of course there's the media, the, you know, the media rights, the TV deal that's upcoming and that will probably result in an uptick in, um, that will probably also res uh, result in an uptick of revenue growth. And like we've spoken of multiple times here, if they get a big money deal, then suddenly filling out the arenas become not as uh, significant an issue, Right revenue wise but perception wise it's a whole different story if if it's if you're renting out basketball slash hockey arenas for and and filling it up with you know a a quarter not even a quarter an eighth of the capacity of the arena that's not that's not a good perception. That shows that your product is not as hot as you think it is. There are other metrics here that they'll be able to make money off of, and I am absolutely I want to make sure that what I understand here. I am not saying that this is a doom and gloom situation with AEW, but it's weird when we get to these situations and people feel like we have to pat them on the back for oh well they did sixty seven percent revenue. They're doing yeah, but their attendance still stinks. Oh, but it doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. It matters for perception, and it does matter for money. And it matters for the wrestlers, too. Don't get me wrong. The, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of wrestlers there that weren't really thrilled to perform in front of a practically empty arena during this collision. It's not a doom and gloom situation. I don't want to give the impression that I'm saying, oh, it's, you know, AEW is going to be gone within the year. No, 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 no. They're probably going to land a really good TV deal. And, you know, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum, actually. I think that things are going to look up. But you can have both conversations. You can say, yeah, no, they're going to land a good money deal for TV. I think it's possible. I think it it makes sense. But you can also have, you know, you can also observe on the other hand. Oh, well, attendance stinks. No one is going to see the shows. Not as much anyway. If they had gone to Montreal 18 months ago, if their first Montreal show had been 18 months ago, they would have done easily uh, double the dynamite attendance. The collision attendance would have been three, four times higher. I'm sure. 
Anyway. Don't want to give the impression here that, um, that I'm miserable because I'm sick. Because, hey, this was a tremendous dynamite. This was a terrific dynamite. Not a dynamite collision. It was a terrific collision. It really was. Uh, uh, raised again by the Continental Classic. And we're going to start, as we've been doing over the past couple of reviews, that's what we're going to start talking with, about. Um, the, 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 the classic is... The, the tournament has legitimately got better. What, why, what I was hoping would happen, it happened. You remember at first, very fine, very okay matches, but it were like, look, if, they, if we want this tournament to become part of the fabric of AEW, if we want this for, for people to get excited about it next year, if Tony Khan and Andy Kingston and Brian Danielson really believe that this is going to be the greatest tournament in the world or whatever, uh, they have to start delivering. And as as fine as it started off, now we're now it's kicking ass. Now it rocks. Now it's like it's yeah. Maybe this was the plan all along. Where now you know people are you know jockeying for points. They're seeing how they're being positioned. Uh, you know you can be telling that story that people are working harder because of you know because of their points and how they want to position themselves. Or you you know it could just be like. No, we're getting towards the end of the tournament. We just want it to be, you know, we're 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 getting into the 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 the, the final uh, throws of the tournament. We want this to rule at this point, right? Which I think is fair. And 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 I think the tournament has been tremendous at this point. And yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to next year. Um, and I'm completely okay with it becoming a, a part of the fabric of AEW. Absolutely. All right, so uh, we had two Blue League matches uh, on Collision this week. Uh, started the show off, actually, with uh, Eddie Kingston and Claudio Castagnoli, their uh, undying rivalry. What a fantastic match this was. Wasn't this just like a tremendous match? And Eddie, Eddie knew his back was against the wall. He had to score points tonight, and so he came out swinging. And I also liked his... Uh, his promo when he, you know, the the the, the cold open is like, all right, Saturday night, la, 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 cue the music. That's <laughs> that's the most it's the most Eddie thing, um, but uh, it was tremendous, and um, and and he came after Claudio quick, fast, explosive. Uh, he's doing backfists and dives and an exploder suplex. Claudio fights back with a neutralizer. They're trying to end the other guy real quickly, real fast. Um, Claudio even gets uh, um, uh, um, Eddie into a big swing, right? And Eddie's trying to, to to prevent it. He's grabbing onto the leg, which you know kept Claudio from doing like twenty revolutions or something like that. So you know, it's little things like that that Eddie Kingston brings. You know, that it's like okay, this makes sense. I feel like this is a good way to get out of the big swing. That's feels like it's something I'd do. Claudio gets a sharpshooter. And listen, the story of this match was Eddie Kingston getting the holy hell beat out of him, right? This was it. He just got pummeled and beat up and tossed around. And he's just trying to stay alive, both, um, you know, in this match and in the tournament. He finally, Eddie finally fights back with some chops and a pair of exploder suplexes. And an STF gets locked in by Claudio around the 15-minute mark. Uh, Eddie escapes a Ricola bomb. And kicks out of a, 
of a European uppercut. And then there's this tremendous, tremendous sequence between the two where they're trading strikes and uppercuts and back fists. And it's just, just outstanding stuff. Crowder up on their feet. Three minutes to go. Uh, and he eventually squeezes out of a... Uh, he squeezes out the win with a reverse um, roll-up or schoolboy, I guess, uh, for the win. He gets his three points. He's still on the board. Tremendous. Tremendous stuff. He's still alive in this tournament. I fucking loved it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought this was great. So... Uh, what would I gave this for and uh, four and a quarter stars? I think it's a, I think it was a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous show ing for both guys. <laughs> um, then we had the main event, which was which was Brian Danielson versus Andrade El Idolo. Um, I guess a bit of a bit of a surprise win here by Andrade, getting the uh, getting the the dub over Danielson here. Had some great back and forth here, you know, to start off. You know, they at first they were, you know, doing some locks and some grapples and, you know, just trying to show off with each other, trying to, you know, the, the good old one-upsmanship. But boy, oh boy, did this devolve into something completely different, right? Where Andrade at some point, look, he does a couple of dragon screw leg whips, right? And then he's like, uh, I'm done here. He rips off the eye patch and he goes straight for the orbital bone. Danielson's surgically repaired orbital bone and he goes for the sutures well the, the the scar and he pops it open Danielson bleeds like not from his eye but it looks like he's bleeding from his eye his entire uh, his entire orbital is like completely covered in blood and it is the most it is the most uh, 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 visceral visual of this tournament so far and it's, you know, it's going down under his nose and into his nose. It's amazing stuff. And and that's the story of the match here. Where Andrade just uses that to his advantage. Pummels it. Goes at it. At some point, he's even driving his eye, his his thumbs into the eyes. You know, suddenly I'm, I'm watching a Greek tragedy, you know. And, uh, and it's, and it's. Fantastic, you know. Andrade, you know, does a gory special at the 15 minute mark and a superplex. Uh, and uh, and uh, Danielson does a super back suplex right into the label lock, which of course Andrade fights out of. Um, we get to the three minute mark and they are striking each other, they're fighting. Um, they, um, they and and Danielson lands. He, he ends up being like face first into the turnbuckles. So what does Andrade do? He does the, 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 the diving knees into the turnbuckles, but to the back of the head. So Danielson just, you know, orbital bone, etc. face first. And then, uh, and then Andrade does another double knees and the hammerlock DDT for the win. Danielson is out cold. Like Danielson is, is dead for this one. Tremendous stuff. After the match, you know, uh, uh, um, Andrade is looking after, you know, he's he's worried about Danielson. He's like, hey, are you okay, buddy pal? And Claudio and Yuta come in. They start shoving him around. Anyway, it all stays, I wouldn't say civil, but it doesn't get any worse. Let's put it that way. Uh, and um, and there you go. That's what we got. Uh, and it's a tremendous 
brutal, but gritty, awesome match. Look, if we got more of this Andrade, Andrade's great. The, the, the issue with Andrade is not that he, you know, he's just a big baby. He bitches all the time. He complains. He's, well, most pro wrestlers, you'd say, well, aren't I like that? And I tell you, yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. But, I mean, this was tremendous stuff. This was tremendous stuff. I gave it four and a half stars. Should mention that I also watched very quickly, though, that I also saw the, uh, well, I saw it at the arena, the uh, the Danielson Garcia match for Rampage that they did on Rampage. And I think that's my favorite match of the tournament. That was so gritty and ah, it was so good. And it told a fantastic story. And I watched it on TV and it was so good on TV as well. I was in the audience. And I was completely enthralled. Like I was just like laser focused on the ring. And it was, it was so good. So as it stands right now, the Blue League uh, is uh, has a you know a lot of stuff still happening here. Brody King, Brian Danielson, and Andrade are at the top of the league for with six points, I should say. Claudio and Eddie both have three points; they're still in the game. Uh, but uh, Dan Garcia, though, with his loss against Danielson this week, uh, has officially eliminated himself mathematically from the tournament, so he is no longer he can no longer qualify. To go to the uh, semis or the playoffs, whatever you want to call it, uh, he's done. Dan Garcia is out of the tournament. Now, here's something that's interesting to note here. Danielson here has six points, but out of the top three guys who have six points, the three at the top of the uh, of Blue League, uh, Danielson is the only one who has three matches in. So he only has two matches left. Whereas Brody King and Andrade have two wins, no losses, no draws. They still have three matches left so it's not looking good for Danielson and it's well not looking good he's got two more matches so his potential here is 12 points at this point this is this is the the maximum amount of points that he could score at this point um Brody uh and Andrade who still have to fight each other by the way uh they um they still have uh they can go up to 15. Like, they, st they still have a potential of nine points to score here. Uh, of course, the guys, the fellows who are at the bottom with the three points have a bit of a... This is the part of the tournament where, where you have guys who are entirely dependent on the results of other matches to determine how they're going to go. Right now, uh, Claudio is in, the war, is, is in a very bad place because uh, he has... He currently has three points. He has two matches left against Danielson and Andrade. And he's already lost to Brody King. So even let's say, let's say Brody King gets to nine points. He tops off at nine points and Daniel and and um uh and uh, uh Claudio does as well. They're both at nine points. Uh but Brody King, if if we're doing G1 tiebreaker rules, Brody King has the win over uh over um Castagnoli so Castagnoli uh wouldn't qualify he wouldn't move forward kind of thing so Claudio is in a bit of a he's he, you know of course if he wants to stay in the conversation yes he, he has to win his next two just like Eddie has to as well Eddie has to win his next two as well 
if he wants to say in this conversation they had people you know there's a lot of Eddie fans out there a lot of Eddie uh, a lot of Eddie fans you know uh asking well you know uh you know what uh what are the odds that he can that he can still win the tournament there's a lot of stuff that is out of his hands there's a lot of stuff that that uh that only um there's a lot of stuff that only that will favor him if specifically Brody King and um specifically that uh, Brody King and um and Brian Danielson um can 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 influence here first and foremost Eddie has to win his next three matches he has to uh, his next two I should say because he already won one so he has to win his next two and his next two matches are uh against Andrade and Dan Garcia so if he uh so if he is able to get to nine points he can stay in this conversation then he would need Andrade to lose one of his next two matches either between either with Brody King or Claudio and of course lose against Eddie for Eddie to 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 be in a position to win the block then he would need Brody King to lose his next three matches because uh because if if Brody makes it to nine points Eddie's done because Eddie because Brody has the win the tie-breaking win over um over eddie so even if eddie wins his next two matches makes it to nine points brody king the minute brody king makes it to nine points uh eddie's done same thing with danielson the minute danielson gets to nine points eddie's done so eddie has to count on a bunch of people losing their matches for him to move forward that's what he has to do. So, so he has, so Eddie has three matches left. He needs Andrade to not, so Andrade is at six points as well. So Andrade can make it to nine, lose a match. Let's say he, let's say he, he, he wins against, uh, let's say he, Here's a scenario I think that might happen when I'm looking at this right now. Andrade beats Brody King. So that brings Andrade up to nine points, but Brody stays at, let's say, but but Brody uh, uh, stays at six, let's say. And then Eddie's last match is against Andrade, who are at, um, who are both at, Eddie comes in with six points because Eddie still has to fight Andrade. Andrade has nine points. But if Eddie comes in, beats Andrade, gets the nine points, he wins over Andrade because he has the tiebreaker win. So I'm starting to think that that's a scenario that could happen. Where Andrade beats Brody, make sure that he stays down. Because Brody has to lose against Andrade, Danielson, and Garcia. This is what has to happen. Does it seem improbable? A little. Especially when it comes to Garcia. But Garcia might get might get the spoiler win, which is something absolutely possible. It's a very interesting block here because everyone is still in the same orbit. Three to six points. Everyone is still within reach. Whereas in Gold League, you know, you've got two guys who are 
uh, moving forward. We're pushing forward with the lead and uh, we'll only get bigger after Dynamite this week. So. Um, so it's very interesting and lots of great matches. I, you know, I knew Blue League would be special. I knew Blue League would be special and it is. It's good. It's good stuff. So that's where we're at with the Continental Classic this week. Let's go through the rest of the show. Uh, after the Claudio and Eddie match, we get uh, a John Moxley promo pre-tape on uh, Swerve Strickland saying that Buzz is cheap. Moxley uh, is, says that Swerve is in way over his head and it's going to be a long night for him, so he better pack a lunch. But Moxley's promos always land. I don't know what to tell you. It's... You know, it's terrible analysis to say the same thing over and over and over again. But when when something is true, Rene Paquette uh, is interviewing the FTW champion Hook, and then uh, Wheeler Yuta arrives and interrupts. He uh, any uh, um, there's some back and forth. Hook mumbles that he uh, uh, cheated to defeat Shibata for uh, the pure title. And Yuta is sick of Hook, and he challenges him for a fight under FTW rules. So I don't know if he's challenging for the title or if there's a title here. And I this this was recorded on the Dynamite, on the um, on the Rampage thing uh, on Wednesday. When uh, yeah, during the during the Rampage portion of the of the event, and. Um, I was so I I thought they were gonna put this on rampage, but it turns out they put it on collision. I was like, oh, because I was telling everyone, oh, they're setting up a match for Yuta. What's the match? Oh, you'll see. I said it's gonna be on rampage. You'll see. Warren, you fucking liar, didn't you? I don't know. Then it shows up on collision. I'm like, ha <laughs> Um. Then we had Willow Nightingale uh, defeating Mercedes Martinez. Solid match. I liked it. I liked it. Give it. Give it. I thought it was particularly strong, actually. I gave it a three point five. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, Martinez got. You know, you, you you can tell Martinez has been doing this for a long time because she's so confident and smooth and just knows how to use everything to her advantage. You know, the the stint they did on the floor was tremendous. I thought it was great. Um, and. Uh, you know, you, you, that kind of stuff is just, it just comes with veteran experience. She's just tremendous. Um, Willow Nightingale fire, fires up in the ring after eating a draping DDT on the floor. Uh, she um, she does the uh, corner cannonball. Uh, Mercedes lands a beautiful fisherman buster bomb. Just fantastic stuff. Backdrop drivers as well and an exploder, but uh, Willow Nightingale gets the wing, the win. After Mercedes does a, it's not quite an iconoclasm. Is it more? I guess it's more like a blackout, right? Where she had uh, um, Willow in a uh, razor's edge and then flips her over. It's a blackout, right? It's a fucking uh, Lance Archer's move. And uh, but uh, she covers, but uh, Willow sort of sneakily reverses the pin and gets the win. I thought this was great. Very good. After the match, uh, Diamante jumps in and uh, they, she and Mercedes double-team Willow um, uh, and uh, Chris Statlander runs in for the save. 
That's where we're at right now. Matt Menard and Angelo Parker um, cut a uh, cut a promo in Montreal. Of course, they you know they talk about. Well, first of all, Jake Hager's there as well, and he's talking about the hat. I Jesus Christ, I could not care less. I as far Danhausen is under investigation because he stole my hat. I've got hat fever. God, I could not care less about this. Um. But this whole thing, outside of the 2.0 guys saying, you know, for all these years we've been sitting in the, you know, up there watching pro wrestling, we're finally going to be here. Like for them, I, I know it's a big deal for them to be in the Bell Center wrestling in front of, uh, in front of the Montreal faithful. But then Ruby Soho arrives and Angelo Parker gets all googly-eyed and they do googly-eyes at each other. They're still doing this thing. And then, you know, Soraya, and then they, they pull them apart. I, I still, at least Soraya here said, you know, you're just going to leave me just like Tony Storm did. I'm like, okay, I kind of get it. But can't humans just have real relationships? Like, it's not because you're starting to date someone that you're abandoning your, you know, it's very middle school, Right? And now Anna Jay's hanging out with them. Did I miss something? Maybe I missed something. But Anna Jay's hanging out with Soraya, and she seems to be on Soraya's side. So this this whole outcast thing seem is I think it's done, right? It it looks like it's done. Anyway, I couldn't. All of this contained things that I couldn't care less about. Then we get uh, Swerve Strickland cutting a pre-tape promo on Moxley. Thing that he rules the industry and whatnot. I like I, you know, I know a lot of people are like, uh, I, I, a lot of people would like to see Mox and Eddie in the finals of the Continental Classic, but I don't know, man. Swerve, Swerve getting a win. Like, okay, so we still don't know what they're doing with the, uh, with the playoffs, right? Or the final. We know there's going to be semifinals. It's going to be on the last dynamite before World's End. Now, are they doing? What I would assume they do is, you know, Gold League winner versus Blue League runner-up, and Blue League winner versus Gold League runner-up. I think that makes the most sense, right? As opposed to rerunning a match from within the league. That to me, to me, doesn't make sense. But if they do do that, if they do, you know, rerun a match within the league, right? I think you run Swerve and Mox again. Swerve and Mox, I am fully expecting Swerve and Mox this week on Dynamite to go to time. I think we get our first draw of the tournament. Because look, they started slowly doing the five-minute countdown. Now we got a couple of matches with the three-minute countdown. One of these matches is going time, and if there's one that makes sense, it's that one. So you go to the, to a draw for that one, then you rerun it as the league final with someone who has to win this time. So it's a, it's a little different, right? We'll see what happens. I, I, I still see Swerve in the finals. I still see Swerve win the whole thing. Wardlow defeats Willie Mack. Good little back and forth here of big moves between the... I, I enjoyed this. I thought it was good. 
Willie Mack doing Willie Mack things. Ended after a last ride by Wardlow. The ref stopped the match. It's fine. Then we had uh, Kenny Omega defeating Ethan Page. To lead us into the match, we had a little recap of uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill taking down Chris Jericho. And look, I enjoyed this match. I gave it a three and three quarter stars. And, um, you know, I know a lot, a lot of people really, really like Ethan Page, right? Um, and, and I think he's a good pro wrestler. Don't get me wrong, you know. But I didn't see anything out of this out of Ethan Page in this match that I haven't seen from him before. I didn't see him elevating his game. I didn't see like suddenly, you know, moves or doing things that I have never seen in an Ethan Page match before. He played his hits. So did Kenny, don't get me wrong, right? But like for a match, I guess that was kind of set up as a proving ground, or or at least that was introduced to us as a proving ground for Ethan Page. I was kind of like, look, this was good. It was a good match, but if this was supposed to change our perception about Ethan Page, see him as some, you know, a completely different wrestler, and they were telling us, you know, he's in the best shape of his life, so on and so forth, which he is. Don't get me wrong. I see it all, but I'm like, ultimately, I'm like, well, same old, same old, isn't it? Like, I, and again, look, like I said, he played the hits, so did Kenny Omega. But when Kenny Omega plays the hits, they those hits hit different because Kenny Omega is one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. So it's really different. So when he does, you know, when he does the hits, they're tremendous. And then again, there's some of the hits he didn't do. He didn't do a Rise of the Terminator, for instance. Anyway. But, you know, I saw, you know, the power slams. I saw the iconoclasm. I saw like, I saw all, a, a typical, the, the cutter. I saw a typical Ethan Page performance that was elevated because he's wrestling with one of the greatest in the world. One of the greatest pro wrestlers to ever do it. Is it just me? I, I have no real issues with, with you know, I'm... I'm not on any camp where I'm like, no, Ethan Page has to go. Ethan Page is fine. He's a fine little wrestler. I I, I think a lot of people just have to come to grips with uh, his you know, his position on the card. You know, a lot of people, oh, TNT champion. I don't even know. Look, look at the look at the job that Christian Cage is doing with the TNT champion in 2023, and tell me that Ethan Page can follow that up. I. You know what I mean? Anyway, tremendous stuff. It was good. Three and three quarter stars I gave it, right? I said that, right? Uh, Omega raises um, Paige's arm after the end, like show of respect and all of that. And You know, the, the, the other odd thing is like, you know, you're in Quebec, the province of Quebec, which has a very contentious relationship with the rest of Canada. I'm not going to get into the history of it, but trust me on this. And and you're you know you're billing this as an all Canadian match with who is the best Canadian wrestler in the world, and you're bringing a guy in from Hamilton, Ontario, in Winnipeg, Manitoba. 
You know, who did they introduce from Toronto when they got booze? I don't remember. Um, Dynamite. You know, it's like the rivalries are real and the bad blood also is also very real. So, you know, it's like Ethan Page, you know, no one, yeah, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker got much bigger reactions because they are legitimately hometown boys. Ethan Page coming in, Canada's own, Ethan Page. You're like, yeah, that's fine. You know, it's kind of like pulling out Natalia when you go to Canadian shows. Where it's like, she's a heart. Well, yeah, kind of, no, but also not really. <laughs> anyway. Um... What do we do? Oh, uh, sidebar. Get back on track, Warren. Let's finish this up. Big Bill attacks Kenny after the match. Um. Oh, one of the reasons they said that's right for that Ethan Page lost the match is because he got put. He was put through a table by Tony Nese on Ring of Honor, right? Because they signed the the they did a contract signing and you know the most original thing in the world happened. Someone got put through a table. And they were using that as a sell that why as to why Ethan Page didn't win, and um, and um, you know so Ethan Page is ha you know he's struggling so he can't really help Kenny come after um, he can't really come after Big Bill when he's there but he does sort of hobble his way up anyway. Let's just move along. It's a, this this. This was a poorly executed segment, Warren, on your part. Thank you, Warren. Thank you for the criticism. Uh, CJ Perry is talking about Andrade and Miro interrupts again. Uh, I can't tell you. Again, I cannot tell you how uninteresting Miro is now that Lana's back. CJ Perry. I, I told you I wanted you to stay at home and, uh, you know, whatever the fuck. You know, do cooking and cleaning while I am the breadwinner and my, my father kills boars with his bare hands. That being said... That being said, I believe it, it, someone needs to do some proper research into this because somehow I kind of believe that Miro's father hunts boars with his bare hands, okay? I, I, I buy into it. Now, I want to know if it's real, but I buy into it. I think, so, I think we need some investigative reporting on this one. I, I think we need to, to get to the bottom of this. Does Miro's father indeed hunt boar with his bare hands? But it's all so uninteresting. And we had talked about this years ago when Miro ended up and people were like, when's Lana coming? And was, Miro has been so much more interesting in AEW than he's ever been. And, and he's been far away from Lana and it's, it's worked for him. And now that she's back, I'm like, this, this, who cares? I'm not going to touch your client during the classic tournament of continents, but I will come after him. Yes, okay. I, I, I don't care. Because he wants to send her home? Who am I cheering for? Am I cheering for Lana? Lana who has no chemistry with Andrade? It's, it's painful, actually. She has, she has... Perfect. She has perfect uh, uh, um, chemistry with her husband. You'd, you'd, you'd think so. You'd hope so. I don't know, I, I don't know guys. 
Miro, Miro, all this shit is really fucking boring. You know, at this point, bring back, you know, video game aficionado Miro. Have him come out in his Gucci Mickey Mouse pajamas. I'm okay. I, I'd much prefer that to whatever the hell they're doing here. Good little match with uh, Penta, El Zero Miedo, and Commander defeating Daddy Magic and Angelo Parker. Ah, uh, you can't. A bit of a. Um, first of all, uh, I've been told that Ian Riccoboni, uh, the uh, he said that uh, he had answered someone. I think it was on on uh, on Twitter that was saying, "Why don't you pronounce Commander the right name or whatever?" I don't remember. Why don't you pronounce? Oh, it was and and Angel Angelico? Why don't you pronounce it Angelico and not Angelico? And Ian came straight out and said, "They asked me to pronounce it that way." So when I say Angelico, that's how he wants me to pronounce it. That's why I pronounce it Commander and not Commander. That's how they asked me to do. It. So you know, if 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 the uh, the leader of the Bone Zone is laying down the is laying down the the the, the law like that. I'm gonna follow suit. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow and trust Ian's pronunciation of, of things. He's like the AP style. He and Excalibur, right? They're like the AP style of uh, of of of, of uh, wrestling names and how to pronounce them. Remember when when we all lost our shit when uh when, when you remember when we all lost our shit when Excalibur uh, first introduced him as Kaneske. Kaneske Takeshita and we had been calling him Takeshita like a bunch of fucking dopes you got you got to follow the you got to follow the market leaders here the AP style anyway um yeah good little uh, but a good little match and look I, we strayed from I'm I'll tell you I was surprised that the home the hometown boys didn't get the win here I what's the value and I'm not like mad. I'm not like stomping my feet. It's not that. But if if Penta and Commander were um if Penta and Commander were in the midst of a push, I'd be like, sure. Okay, kind of sucks, but sure. But they're not they're doing jack shit with them. Like they they're the well. They're popping up here and there, and they're winning matches. Is it because of the 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 trios thing, the trios match? They just want to keep them hot with the uh, top flight Andretti stuff. Is that maybe? I guess. I was like, this is weird. It's weird that Tony Khan booked the hometown people to lose. That's strange to me. It's an odd one. Anyway, final match. I gave it uh, three and a quarter star. That's fine. Um, and then we had the main event. So there we go, which we already talked about. A tremendous, violent, brutal main event. Here we have it. That was AW Collision. Today's review, December 10. Thank you for being here. I'm gonna go uh, take a bath, and then uh, and then watch NXT Deadline. Pray for me. I'm going to be back. Hopefully, I will be back in the saddle uh, for uh, this uh, Tuesday for a live recording of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I I don't I I don't even know anymore. 
I don't even know anymore. But thank you all for being here. If it's the first time you're here, like, subscriptions, uh, reviews, ratings, all that good stuff help out a great deal. Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of your weekend. And I will see you next time.